0: I said, empty your mind, be formless, shapeless, like water. It's about how hard you hit,
1: it's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. How much you can take and keep moving forward.
0: Join movement expert Aaron Alexander as he dives
1: into the minds of the foremost innovative healthcare thinkers and Movement Masters on their approach to optimal health and wellness. Align Podcast. Welcome back to the Line Podcast. My name is Aaron Alexander. Today's beautiful episode, I got to have my new friend Miss Christine Hassler on the show. Uh, Christine is a you can call her a life coach. She is a speaker. She is a uh, counselor. I think you could say um, best-selling author, TV show host. Uh, she's got a really fantastic podcast called Over It and On With It, and um, just an amazing, and genuine human being to uh, spend some time with. So I know you guys are going to get a lot out of this conversation. In this one, we get into uh, some of these deep knots that we may have in our bodies and our minds and emotional selves, all those parts that we might not even realize how to start to uncover those guys and how to start to unwind those things. Um, a lot of really good nuggets out of this guy get into how to be a better listener, what that even means in the first place, some of the more subtle things that people are saying, um, maybe not necessarily with their words, and a lot of good stuff. I hope you guys enjoy. Here is a little clip.
0: If we really listen, we're not just listening to words. We're listening to the energy the words are riding on. We're listening to, if you really listen to someone speak, you can almost hear what they're thinking, because oftentimes what someone's saying and what they're thinking are different, or there's two thoughts for every one sentence that's happening.
1: Thank you so much for tuning in to the website. If you feel called to that thing, it is at aligntherapy.com, A-L-I-G-N-therapy.com. On there, you can get yourself the show notes for this and all the rest of the episodes, and uh, you can start the five-day movement challenge. Start integrating better movement practices into your momentary existence. I have a quote. This quote comes from Christine Hassler's book, which I am quite enjoying. It's uh, called Expectation Hangover. I highly recommend you guys checking that out. And uh, she's got a couple other books as well. Check out her website. And uh, so Expectation Hangover book, or quote I got out of here, goes like this. Short one. Numbing the pain for a while will make it worse when you finally feel it. That's J.K. Rowling. Is that how you say his last name? Rowling? 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 JK Rowling. Um. <laughs> I think that quote is especially poignant in this day and age where we have so much technology and uh, general distractions, so much information we're being bombarded by all the time. Uh, I think it's far too easy to start looking away from ourselves anytime we run into something kind of uncomfortable. So, kind of interesting thing to ponder on for y'all. Um, I think that might be that might be already. Thanks so much for utilizing the Amazon affiliate link on the top right-hand sidebar of the podcast page, therapy.com slash podcast. Uh, anytime you or your family buy some crap on there, just bookmark that link, buy that crap through there. We get about 7%, takes it out of Amazon, and drops it into the Align Podcast Piggyback Foundation. Piggy bank. I said piggyback. Um, all right. I think that's good. Uh, we have. Oh, I'm going to a retreat in Panama. I think there might be two slots left mid December. Uh, it's called Runga. It's with Ben Greenfield. Uh, buddy Joe DiStefano is running it. Um, get after Joe DiStefano or info at Align Therapy. And we can see if we can get you to fill up that those last two spots. We're probably going to fill up really quick. But um, that is an option. We're going to be out in Panama for a Couple weeks doing some retreat stuff. So if you guys want to come along, hit us up. Alright, here we go. Back to the show. Live ish from uh Christine's house in Encinitas. Very beautiful place. Alright, here we go. Bing bang bang. A line podcast. Oh, it's too low on your side. Too low. Son of a hello, monkey. Hello. Boom. We're back. We're back in. Can you hear yourself?
0: I can hear myself.
1: Ooh, you sound very nice. I
0: do. <laughs> these, these are fancy headsets. Make you sound real good. These
1: headsets. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, good. my voice without the headsets terrible. <laughs> it all falls apart. It's just. Just thinking
0: that, <laughs> I was like, thank God you put that headset
1: on. As soon as the headset, as soon as the headset comes off, it's I mime from that point forward. All right, I think my levels are in a situated position. I'm recording right now.
0: Oh, great
1: start it. I don't do, like, introductions because we're just here hanging out. It would be very strange.
0: It would be. (laughs) I was sitting here and you were introducing me.
1: Introductions happen in the introduction. (laughs) It's aptly named. Um, Thanks so much for having me.
0: Oh, my gosh. Thank you. Thank you for giving me an awesome body work session.
1: How the heck are you feeling? Oh. You don't need to advertise for me right now, by the way.
0: (laughs) No, this is so authentic. I'm feeling, well, first of all, super grateful. Cool. But my body is just feeling relaxed and fluid and like there's space. And I can even hear in my voice. I'm just, we're we're here.
1: Yeah, good deal. How often do you do body work stuff? You said it's it's pretty regular. Pretty
0: regularly. I, I try to do a little something at least once a week and minimum twice a month.
1: What kind of value do you find that? So your work is around, how would you call your work? Can you kind of describe your work, how, how you describe yourself? Hmm. Probably changes as it, the months it, it, go on, I'd yeah, imagine. Yeah, <laughs>
0: yeah. Um, well, it really is just about humans and helping them step into their full potential. So I blend life coaching and spiritual psychology with just my own life experiences to because we just we all get in our own way in in our own ways and so my job I mean you said this during our bodywork session about how you know you're the flashlight and it's up to the person to find their way and that's my job in a lot of ways is I the writing's on the wall in the cave but a lot of times people are stuck in a cave and they can't see anything and I go in with the flashlight and just shine some light on it so they can start to see the obstacles that are in their way mm-hmm. and then give them tools to help them through it. Hmm.
1: How do people start to shine light in their own, inside their own cave? Do you feel like it's you need to have someone else?
0: Um, do you need to? Maybe not. I think some people might need to. Um, we all have different conditionings and different things that happen to us. And I think sometimes there's so much fear, Aaron, of even like wanting to look at anything. That just having someone there to be like, it's okay, like you're okay, it's okay to look at this, is important. Because sometimes it can just be too terrifying to look at our blogs, to look at our past, to look at our beliefs. And it's a lot safer and more comfortable to just keep our eyes closed to things. So does everybody need someone there with them? Maybe not. But I think a lot of people, especially at the beginning, do. I did. You know, I needed my teachers and my guides in in physical form to, to be there with me. And now not so much anymore. Now I can go into my own personal caves or dark spots or process things. And there's not as much fear and there's not as much resistance because I have experience. And I found that inner coach inside of me. Mm. You know, I've found my own inner flashlight. Um, But don't get me wrong. I'm always going to have guides and teachers in my life because, There's always somebody with a gift to share or somebody that's a little farther down the road. And and honestly, it just feels good to have that kind of ally.
1: Yeah. Yeah, you were, we were kind of having somewhat, and I wouldn't really call it a debate, debate's too strong, but we were talking about uh, whether a gift exists. Yeah. You know, and I have some resistance around that, but I also kind of agree with it. But I feel like the the gift sometimes exists because at a young age you've been kind of sculpting yourself towards that thing, and then all of a sudden you're like in your twenties or thirties, you're like, Oh, I feel like it's a gift. Yep. You know, or maybe it comes from you know, somewhere else. I don't know. You know, but you I've heard you mention about at a quite a young age you were dealing with things around depression and
0: Yeah. Yeah. So I was a real Sensitive, um, empathic kid, and could pick up on things pretty quickly. Like, I could pick up on people's emotions. I knew if somebody in a restaurant was sad, I could always feel what was going on with my parents. Um, And in a lot of ways, I think as a kid, that's hard to navigate. And as I got older and as I got into school, like, older, like, 10, 11, something like that, uh, there started to be bullying and teasing that happened in school. Mm. And I'll never forget, uh, It was fifth grade, and everybody was passing around a note that I couldn't see. And we were, we were bused for our choir class from our elementary school to the middle school for choir. And so we were, everyone was getting on the bus to go back. And I went in to find like the note in the girl's tote tray, I don't know. Toe tray is a Texas thing. We had the, the yeah, little little trays. Yeah, <laughs> sorry. I <laughs> up in Texas. I saw your face. Like what's Speak that? Because a toe tray. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> sorry, I'm from the country of Texas. <laughs> so I go back and look at her little bin and see the note that said something bad about me and don't talk to Christine Hassler. And hmm. I'll never forget that moment. That was a pivot where i started to form a story about myself and about how people saw me and about the way life worked and Mm -hmm. and that combined with just trying to navigate being a very sensitive kid made me shut down and you know was i necessarily depressed i don't know something was definitely different and at that time we didn't have as much access to all the things that parents have access to now and the doctors told my parents she's depressed, you should put on medication. And that was, that was what happened at, at 11, 11, or 12 mm. Prozac.
1: So the initiation, the, you know, the pivot is really fascinating.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, to be able to isolate down, like, you know, like, oh, there was, I was reading Wilhelm Reich, actually in the book that I gave you. Ah, there yeah, was, yeah. So they, he quoted, quoted Wilhelm Reich. And one of the things he mentioned was, I think he calls it character armoring or energetic blocks and it's and it's in relation to when you have those pivot points some type of distress in your life you'll end up going into a degree of contraction yeah. you know some type of imbalance almost like embracing yourself and then it's that that journey of unwinding that yeah. you know now i feel like we're at this point where we just have this aggregation of so many emotional or character armorings mm-hmm. it's like we're in a knot
0: We are, a lot of us are really knotted out. Like one of those really fancy boy scout knots. Like there's a lot of them in there. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So the, the practice or act or experience or journey of parsing out those knots is like, I don't know what else there is. I think that's all there is.
0: There is. And (laughs) you know, what's so amazing though. It's like, um, this, this metaphor won't be as powerful with the men listening, but for the ladies, you know what it's like when you have one of those delicate necklaces and it gets all tangled up right. and like you pick it apart and pick it apart, and pick it apart little knot after little knot, but sometimes you get like one sweet spot and it unravels like the rest of the necklace. Mm. And I've, I've found that in personal growth too, is that sometimes in myself or when I'm working with people, it's like you find that one really massive knot that starts to, unravel so many other things and for a lot of us that knot is somewhere along the lines we form a belief that goes to the tune of something's wrong with me I'm not likable I'm not enough I'm broken like I'm fundamentally I'm not safe I'm fundamentally flawed in some way and that's sort of the biggest knot that I see all humans have is that misunderstanding about something being wrong with us are not being enough in some way. And so much of evolution, growth in consciousness, personal development, whatever you want to call it, is getting back to knowing that we're whole and complete and there's nothing wrong with us. We're born knowing that, and then life happens. And we eventually want to get back to how we started, hmm. of, of knowing that truth.
1: When you say all humans, yeah. is that all Western, modernized, cell phone-holding Good humans. question. I don't
0: know that I can say it's a blanket statement that all humans being do, that, do this. Um, I do think that, like, for example, I go to Bali every year to teach a retreat, and they don't struggle as much with the not-enoughness thing that I see. A lot of people in Western, more Western cultures struggle with. Um, they have more of a sense of, devotion and a sense of knowing that they're whole and complete without using those words. So I definitely don't think it's all humans. So thank you for calling me out on that. Mm. Uh, But it's a lot of humans. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It seems like maybe there's some type of advertising agenda Mm -hmm. that might be behind it. Maybe, you know, the more not enough you are, the more you need to buy shit to feel enough.
0: Yeah, well, I think that advertising preys on it, but I think it comes from it comes from parents, it comes from peers, it comes from, you know. It tra- we all have traumatic events, and trauma doesn't have to be, you got abused. Trauma hmm. can be you got teased. Um, your parents got divorced. Some, some anything that threatens our sense of safety and security really can rattle our nervous system and be a pivot point for us. And so unless we have people around us, teachers around us, experiences that help us remember that we are enough and there's nothing wrong with us, it's really hard for those belief systems not to be formed. Because since none of us are fighting for like basic survival, I, nobody listening to your podcast right now is worried about, oh my gosh, like am I going to get eaten by a tiger tonight? Am I going to have food to eat tomorrow? Those kinds of things. So what fights for survival is our ego. And that part of us that like wants to belong and wants to fit in and wants everything to be under control and want things to be safe. So whenever that gets threatened, those beliefs become even stronger. Mm -hmm. And so I just see it time and time again. And I've worked with thousands of people at this point, getting back to that like big, massive knot, no matter what is going on no matter what their chief complaint is when they come in to see me or they come to a retreat or whatever it always boils down to one of those things like fear I'm not enough something's wrong with me unlovable damaged in some way hmm. there's so often that core misunderstanding there
1: hmm why do you think it's that why not something else
0: like what like I don't know
1: I don't know what else my pants aren't blue enough I don't know <laughs>
0: because that's not that's not that won't get our attention right It has to be really painful to get our attention It has to be really painful and i the biggest I'm using a lot of generalized words a big wound that we suffer from is the illusion of separation of feeling like we're separate. the truth is we're all one we're all connected and As babies, we know that, we feel that. And then again, things happen. And for a lot of people, they start to feel separate. They start to feel alone. They start to feel on their own. They lose that connection to other humans, to a higher power, whatever that is, to ultimate consciousness, all those kinds of things. Mm. And so this illusion of separation of like, I'm me, you're you, that's painful because it's not true. And whether consciously or unconsciously, we all feel that. Until we start to feel more of the oneness, until we start to feel more connected to ourselves, to others, to a higher power. So I think why it's those beliefs that I'm naming, like I'm not enough, I'm broken, I'm not lovable. It reinforces that illusion of separation, which is incredibly painful for any of us to experience.
1: Mm. There's an interesting thing with that, the heart Mm. So the heart starts to beat and grow before the, before the brain really comes online when you look at when child development. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it's just a beautiful thing when you think of that as like, we think of ourselves kind of being run between here and you can almost like feel the electricity in your head sometimes. Yeah. Like it feels like that's it. Yeah. You know, but in reality, it's, it's, you know, it, it, comes from not even just the heart. It comes from, you know, whatever your mother or your father, and they come from what have you eventually it comes back to soil.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's all about <laughs> soil. It always comes back soil. to that.
1: You know, it's like, we all came from rocks at some yeah. point. There's an Alan Watts who talks about, you know, planets peopling, you know, planets people the way that an apple tree apples.
0: Oh my gosh. it's yeah. great. <laughs>
1: If you keep peeling the layers back, it's like, Oh my God. Okay. Yeah. I mean, okay. We are all one, but then we kind of come to this point where there's this disillusion of separation. I don't know. I just wonder where the hell that comes from. It's like kind of like an unanswerable question maybe, Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. it's like, at what point do we kind of brainwash ourselves or fall into the the mental illness that's like,
0: yeah, I think it's different for everybody. Most of us, it happens as children, Like 12 or under is usually when it happens. Hmm. And so I I have my master's degree in spiritual psychology from a place called the University of Santa Monica. And that doesn't have anything to do with religion. Um, People hear the word spiritual and sometimes think religious, but it it doesn't. It's more about that actually psyche means soul, and it's putting the soul back into psychology. Hmm. And one of the things that, we learn there is life. Really, is one big school. It's we're here to learn. We're here to evolve. And as humans, we learn through contrast. You know, I know cold because I know hot. And oftentimes, we need these triggering experiences, difficult experiences, things that move us away from the truth we are of who we are, to to, to give us that contrast to bring us back to knowing who we are, so that we can grow even more into our potential hmm. so it's that not that life is supposed to be hard or life is supposed to be difficult but it is supposed to have what I like to call some expectation hangovers you know some bumps in the road of that that rattle us a little bit and it's I, I you know I don't know too many really inspiring people who haven't had a story of some kind of rock bottom yeah. some kind of Breakdown to breakthrough moment, some dark night of the soul where they had to really face something that maybe they didn't want to see or something that was really painful, but grew so much from that.
1: Yeah. When you speak to people and you do the, I keep messing up, what are you, sessions Uh, on the the podcast, coaching sessions? Yeah. It's like so beautiful. Oh, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) So when I listen to them, I'm like, that's when I first got out of the car. I'm like, you're like really good.
0: (laughs) Thank you. <laughs> I you. I do love it.
1: Which is, um, I don't know, for some reason that's like it's almo- it's, it's like um, delightfully surprising to find people that are are good at at, at connecting with somebody in that way. Mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of like oh, okay, listen to the thing, see how it goes, but it's like you somehow elicit this response from people. Like it seems that from a listener almost maybe it's the way that you set it up, whatever it may be, but it's like the answers all seem to be on the plate almost as soon as the conversation starts.
0: Yes. Do you
1: know what I'm saying?
0: Yes. Well, and that's really, and this was a big shift for me as, as a coach. Um, When I first started coaching people way back in like 2005, I really thought I was responsible for like giving them the answers. You came to me as a coach, I have to, you have this problem, I have to solve it for you. And over time, as I've developed as a coach and had more training and had great teachers, it's like, no, 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 no. It, it The answers are, everybody has all the answers inside. Our job as a coach or body worker or whatever it may be is to help people, again, shine that light so that people can see them and so that they can find them. Yeah. But part of what I think has helped me as a human being, as a coach, as a friend, as everything is looking at my own story of where I felt not enough or broken in some way. And the more compassion I have for myself and the more I know that's not true about me, the more I don't see other people that way. Hmm. Like I know no matter what they're going through, they are enough. They're not broken. They ha- they, they're not ill-equipped <laughs> to deal with it. And it's also not my job to save them.
1: Are there any types of uh, tools Yeah, so, so from my perspective, I see movement faux pas where I'm like, oh dear God.
0: No, don't bend over
1: (laughs) Oh God.
0: (laughs) I know. I'm I'm like, how am I sitting? Oh my God. Are
1: there what I know, I, 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 know without a doubt there are, what do you see from like a conversational standpoint? Uh, like connection, mm-hmm. verbalization of faux pas between mm-hmm. people. Cause I noticed your language during those sessions is uh very accurate, mm. I would say, or it's, in, it seems intentional. It feels, mm-hmm. it feels like it's like, okay. You kind of, you, you go into a, a very different role in that than you are right now.
0: Yeah. It's I really,
1: do. it's very interesting. <laughs> like a channel.
0: Yeah. It kind of is. <laughs> it kind of is like a zone. Mm. Um, Right, because right now I'm more in, like, you're leading, right? Mm, so, I
1: guess. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> well, it's your show. I, don't, I don't think so.
0: Um, <laughs> but, it, yeah, I faux I... So pas. Well.
1: Or just tips, things like there's, there's yeah. What,
0: there's a couple things when people keep affirming what they don't want. Like, it's so hard, and I don't know. And my favorite response to when someone says to me, I don't know, is, well, if you did know, what? What do you think? And they always have an answer. Right. <laughs> Usually, have to ask it a couple times. Um, but the the reinforcing the story we don't want to tell is is I would say like a verbal faux pas. Also, the people are just really hard. We're really hard on ourselves, mm. and I hear that a lot too. Um, we're really hard on ourselves, or we're we're quick to blame another, um, and. <laughs> A funny thing, too, and I've pointed this out to a couple people that come on the show who are are seemingly coming on because they want my advice and my help, is they just keep talking and talking and talking and talking and talking Mm. and never pause to ask the question or get the feedback or really, really listen. And that... a lot of times people ask me like, what do you think your greatest skill as a coach is? And my answer is always listening. Listening and compassion. Mm. Those And compassion doesn't mean I'm feeling sorry for someone. Compassion co-means with, passion means suffering. So compassion just means I'm being with their suffering yeah. and just holding space for that. Uh, and then I just really, really listen. Really listen. Because when, if we really listen, we're not just listening to words. We're listening to the energy the words are riding on. We're listening mm. to... If you really listen to someone speak, you can almost hear what they're thinking. Because oftentimes what someone's saying and what they're thinking are different. Or there's two thoughts for every one sentence that's happening. And so that's, that's my job is just really, really listening.
1: Hmm. Why is it that some people are able to connect into that empathy and other people aren't?
0: I think it has to do with our relationship with ourselves. Yeah. So, so a lot of people are good at sympathy. You're good at, oh my gosh, Aaron. I'm so sorry you're going through this. Oh, I feel so bad for you. Like, oh, like, and that's taking on people's stuff. That's, and that's judgment. Sympathy is judgment because if I'm feeling bad for you or think what's going on for you is so awful, I have a judgment and that's feeling sorry for, that's pity. Whereas empathy is more like compassion. It's just like, I'm with you. I'm, I'm in this with you. I'm holding this space for you, and I can appreciate what you're saying because I can relate it to maybe when I felt something like that. But I'm not taking your stuff on. So people that can't do empathy, I think it's not that they're evil people. They just have a fierce inner critic hmm. and lack empathy for themselves. And intimacy is hard. When we can't be intimacy, intimate with ourselves, like I do a lot of corporate speaking and I Trojan horse the spiritual stuff. <laughs> and so I call meditation mindfulness. Yeah, right. Exactly. And I'm like, let's do a mindfulness practice. And, uh, and I say, would you, how many of you suffer from anxiety? And in a corporate crowd, like every hand goes up in the room. And, and I say, well, would you want to be free from anxiety? And they say, yeah. And I'm like, all right, I'll tell you how. Like, the, You can totally be free of anxiety if you're fully in the present moment. Anxiety only exists when we think about something that hasn't happened. So I'm like, so let's do an exercise. Let's close our eyes. And I'm going to take you through a presencing practice, a mindfulness practice. And I just spoke a couple weeks ago, it was like about a thousand people and people close their eyes. And it's amazing how fidgety people are just sitting with their eyes closed, like Mm -hmm. for a minute, barely a minute, because there's such discomfort with being with ourselves sometimes. Yeah. So back, so asking, I'm answering your question, in a very long-winded way, but how we are with ourselves directly impacts how we are with others. And if we can't get quiet with ourselves, if we can't be present with whatever emotion is coming up inside ourselves, then we're not gonna be able to really have emotional intimacy with others, and we're not gonna really be able to feel empathy with others either. Mm. So it always starts with us.
1: It seems like the cell phone is, um, it's kind of like putting a cork on the volcano.
0: Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. yes.
1: You know, and it's, it's, it's like, I think it's way bigger than what we give it credit.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, it's like, oh, it's just a little Twitter.
0: No, I mean it. It, it <laughs> fires up the same dopamine receptors in the brain as the heroin. <laughs> you know, but
1: we don't have we don't have access to we we don't we don't ever allow ourselves to uh, to kind of go head first into that boredom. Yeah. You know, there's a you know, anti fragile the, the the book. No. Oh
0: man. Really, another one. That's I good. Need it's good. yeah, it's a, okay. this is
1: an important one. Nassim okay. Taleb, anti fragile. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And but one of the things it gets into, in there is um, that we need skirmishes. You know, we need these little ba- battles, these little pivot points, mm-hmm. in order to kind of change course, course correct.
0: Yes, that's true.
1: You know, so if you're in an economy that's just great for a really long time, and it's just like everything's just great. Yeah. yeah watch out. Yep, You know? And so it's a similar thing. If you're just kind of under the radar, you know, whereas you're, oh, I just, I just check my Instagram I check the thing. I always have something to kind of keep me going. I don't ever really get into, mm-hmm. you know, whatever the depths of my, my, mm-hmm. myself are. Mm-hmm. Eventually you might be kind of on the road for something big.
0: Yep. Exactly. And, and that's, um, yeah. Another reason I wrote expectation hangover is because an an expectation hangover is when things don't go according to plan or things go, do, do go according to plan, but you don't feel like you thought you would, like you get the great job that you thought was going to fulfill you or life just throws you an unexpected curveball, And I, I basically say they're inevitable. Like everybody's going to have disappointment in life. And the more you kind of try to avoid it and just brush things under the rug and use suppression and coping strategies like overworking or over social media, being on your phone or even over exercising or whatever. Eventually something's going to happen that's going to wake you up. And so you can either have a consistent practice where of meditation or emotional processing or working with a coach or something where you're consistently checking in, or you can wait for a volcano to erupt. (laughs) (laughs) And I was actually, so I I mentioned Bali. I have retreat there every year. I get there. The volcano is on a four out of four likely to erupt. Perfect. Right. (laughs) Yes. I'm like, oh, this is fabulous. (laughs) We're feeling tremors. I get there a week before the participants come. I've got 22 people coming. And I'm in this spot of, what do I do? I'm responsible Hmm. for 22 people coming. So I give them the information. And I really surrendered it. I really surrendered it and I'm like, "Okay, God, like if anyone's not supposed to be there, gracefully intervene in in some way." Cuz I knew that if if the volcano erupted, we were we were safe physically, but the airport would have been shut down, we would have been we would have been without power, electricity, like all those kinds of things. Mm. And but it was an incredible metaphor because we could feel the tremors, mm. you know, and it it a volcano is so like a human in that you can Suppress it and suppress and suppress for a while. And at first, like there's little tremors and then there's like maybe bigger tremors. And then there's like kind of an earthquake. And then the thing freaking explodes. And we don't have to wait for the explosion, though. That, that's the thing. You don't have to wait to get laid off. You don't have to wait to get cancer. You don't have to wait to, you know, have your spouse leave you or go into debt or something like that. But if you need a universal two by four to wake up, you'll get one. And I needed a couple, I had a couple two by fours and now I am more proactive (laughs) (laughs) so that I don't have to, I listen more. I listen to my body. I listen, pay attention to what I'm creating or not creating in my life and and look for those nuances. But I needed a few massive expectation hangovers to wake me up Mm. because I like control.
1: Yeah. Right. I
0: like like having it together and knowing things and certainty.
1: Yeah. So do you ever evolve? past those like transferences you know transference and Mm -hmm. being a fancy term for Mm -hmm. carrying on childhood Mm -hmm. stuff Mm -hmm. or do you always just kind of uh, move with it
0: i think both i think some people might evolve past it or grow past it or know when it is that and be able to shift because that that's the ultimate in, in in really integrating Because we can be aware of our childhood patterns and we can be so psychologically aware. And I think a lot of people get stuck in the therapy loop I'm yeah, just talking. Totally. So I'm talking, annoying. I'm talking. Talking.
1: Talking. So talking. Terrible. I welcome know, it's to terrible. Welcome, welcome, Encinitas.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes. So there's a lot of talk, but not a lot of integration and change. <laughs> yeah. And uh, and and I get that because the integration and change is the hard part. Reading books and talking about it and understanding yourself psychologically is a great step, but it is the beginning. Hmm. And where the, the rubber really meets the road and, and where the true shift happens, where you're actually changing not just your external life, but your, your brain chemistry and your cells. And that's where physical ailments and your health changes and relationship changes and financial changes and all that happens when you're embodying and integrating all the awareness. But that takes breaking patterns. That takes being uncomfortable. That takes being in uncertainty. That takes knowing when that like automatic response comes up you choose a different behavior and that takes practice. I think one of the things that I love about my podcast is that people consistently write me and say I'm so glad to know I'm not alone.
1: Yeah, right. Because
0: there's a personal growth expectation hangover. There's a lot out there where i talked about this with Josh Trent on his podcast too about like the positive vibes only and we should be happy all the time and mm-hmm. like if you're, you don't have what you want you're just a crappy manifester and a lot of people think they're failing at personal growth and i'm just like no 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 like it's it's not so easy it's not an overnight process it's not a quick fix and you're going to have those moments or thoughts or days or experiences where you're not positive vibes only, where you're going to want to have a cry and you're, you're that's just human. That's just normal. So I, I like to just embrace the full human experience and not get stuck in the, the gunk of, of the victimhood and feeling sorry for ourselves and, and that type of thing. But at the same time, make space for all, all human emotion and everything we can experience and have compassion for those things as well and not be hard on ourselves when we don't have positive vibes only
1: wanted to take a brief moment and thank sun warrior for supporting this podcast they are in my opinion the most delicious vegan protein that i've found um, they are raw sprouted and fermented for increased bioavailability and general deliciousness um, i hope you guys enjoy that stuff grab yourself 15 percent off on any purchase at sunwarrior.com and then throw in the align code at checkout and get yourself 15 percent off all right thank you guys so much for listening here we we go back to the show yeah. yeah I really love when you're at like a, a grocery line or something like that and I am I always try and go maybe sort of out of my way to like connect with with yeah. with all the people whatever In those times sometimes not sometimes I have my head, you know I'm doing a thing but mm-hmm. in general I really love when I ask like how are you doing man yeah. and I'm like I feel like shit <laughs> And I'm I like, yeah, yeah, tell me about you it. You know, maybe it's I don't always want to hear about but sometimes I do. And it's, I, I just, I really value that because it gives permission to the world, mm-hmm. you know, like by you being the person that's honest with the way that you're feeling, you're kind of like a revolutionary in a Absolutely. sense Absolutely. because the world needs that permission.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. The whole like fine yeah. inside, not expressed it. it we, it's, it's funny. We live in this world where we pretend a lot, you know, and we come up with ways that we think we need to be again, to be loved, to be accepted, to be successful, all those kinds of things. And Mm. I love how trendy authenticity is. (laughs) And, but authenticity doesn't just mean, let me just like verbally vomit all over my Facebook page and, and just like, share everything I'm thinking. To me, authenticity is really about being responsible for our communication, responsible for our emotions, and responsible for just being honest about where we are in our life. Like, I, I'm doing a little, um, uh, sometime on my podcast, I'm going to do a little rant on ghosting, because it's just so popular these days. Yeah,
1: I'm familiar with it. Yes. <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> Why? painful. Why? It's painful. <laughs> it's
0: so painful. I thought oh, you loved me. I know. Like, what happened? A week ago, we were texting every day. And now it's like, are you dead? Like, yeah. oh no, you just did an Instagram story. You're obviously alive. <laughs> Which makes yeah. it, worse. Yeah, like, make it worse. If I thought you were in a hospital, maybe I'd feel better. Yeah. But you're obviously fine.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I feel that. Mm-hmm. What's, how do you, when you, so alone time is something that I, uh, Struggle with, mm-hmm. and that's where the the growth yeah. is, you know. And so I have personally found, and this could be potentially you know not advisable for anyone. It's just something I've found to be kind of, I don't know. I think it's helpful, but sometimes I'll I'll smoke a little bit of pot mm-hmm. when I'm having those moments of like little squirrely, yeah. like oh, I yeah. should be little, do some, do more, do yeah. go, uh. yeah. you know, like validate yourself through the thing. Like I need to. Yeah. And then I have found that to be kind of like a parachute of sorts, which maybe it's a form of escape. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And then also I feel like I get a lot of value out of it, Mm -hmm. you know, where all of a sudden I get really enamored by being alone. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm going to work on playing the
0: flute,
1: you know, and my breathing and yo, what an amazing opportunity. (laughs) I get to spend the night like working with myself, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, do you have any thoughts on, on using substances
0: I do I think um sometimes they're useful, sometimes they're coping strategies, mm-hmm. so what I would encourage you to try in the next time you're in that like alone and the the feeling like what would you describe the the uncomfortable feeling as
1: i f- there's i think again this might be a little bit of like the cultural it's like. I should be with someone right now. You know, there's, a, it's like a double, there's like a double effect yeah. there where it's like, okay, you're low- and and I'm not
0: with someone that means
1: less than not good enough or, you know, whatever it is. Like I'm not right.
0: Right. I'm a little, I'm
1: a little broken. We're
0: back to the core not.
1: <laughs> yeah. Right. So yeah.
0: I would encourage you to like ride that feeling, Yeah. To yeah. like just totally go into that feeling of like. I'm not enough, whatever like this reminds me of, like to just, there's, there's a couple of techniques um, in expectation hangover you can use to, to really like just totally go into that discomfort. Because if you ride the feeling of that and find that place of compassion inside yourself while you're doing it, you'll get to the same place weed takes you but you'll actually be processing the emotions so that you're not likely to feel it as much when you're alone because any, any uncomfortable moment, anytime those judgments come up, it's always an opportunity to go in and heal something. It's always an opportunity to like be with ourselves in a different way and to, to find that place of like love and compassion and reassurance inside. So, just like we look for to the other person to do that, we look for we to do that, we look for T V, all those kinds of things. Like mine, so in school, um, when I didn't have friends, T V was my best friend. Right. So I have to be careful with T V because if mm. I'm feeling lonely or sad or whatever, I'll just wanna turn on the TV. And I watch very little T V now, not because I'm trying to break an addiction, but because it just doesn't have the same pull on me that it that yeah. it used to. Um And for other people, it's food. For other people, it's you know porn. Like who knows what it is. But we all have like our little ways. And so, I try. I try it without the weed next time. See what happens.
1: Yeah. What kind of what kind of struggles do you deal with still? Are you pretty pretty fluid at this point? Oh, I
0: have no struggles. (laughs) I'm, can't you see I'm basically floating
1: I know now. I feel you, <laughs> yeah, you're actually right. Not even touching the couch right, right I know, now It's you're, amazing yeah, It it's amazing. Amazing.
0: was your body work <laughs> um, <laughs> I struggle um, I still bump up Against the like I don't belong One mm-hmm. every now and then um, And Comparison Is one I have to be mindful Of Of Comparing myself to others and why am I not X, Y, Z. Um, I'd say the biggest thing is inner critic. Mm. So for most of my life, my inner critic was very effective because she motivated me. She like got me a very successful job at a young age, all kinds of things. And so I have to watch that, just being um, kind and gentle with myself. I struggle with loneliness too at times. Um, sometimes I really love being alone. I think I'm an extroverted introvert. I can go and do the extroverted things. I recharge alone, but I definitely have those lonely moments. Yeah, you know, absolutely.
1: It's interesting that the usage of certain like uh, psychoactive substances, like 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 uh, psilocybin mm-hmm. or LSD or whatever. There's, now it's like, oh, there's legitimate studies going into this. What people have been saying for millennia. Yeah, you know yeah. that you can kind of retool. Some of those imbalances, you know, I think it's, it's an interesting thing where we, we still have a lot of resistance, you know, or taboo around like reaching out to this other thing or whatever. It's like, no, you can do it dry on your own.
0: Yeah. Well, And I also think it's fear. I think that, you know, for me, my biggest resistance to doing any kind of hallucinogenic thing was, um. Yeah, I might have said it was like the judgment on it, but it was really fear of losing control, like yeah. fear of losing my it's mind. It's huge. It's huge. It's huge. But it's 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 incredible because people will go out and get wasted on yeah. alcohol, which really messes with your brain. Um,
1: that just scrambles what you just already scrambles. have. It
0: scrambles. Yeah, and then and then and then you're just more depressed because it's a depressant. So, yeah. anyway, um, but yeah, I think it's it's I I believe that there's so many medicines out there, and yeah. and especially like we were talking about before we started recording, like I've definitely done um, hallucinogenics, plant medicines, and it's been very, it's been in a facilitated environment with a shaman. It's, it hasn't been like, hey, it's Friday night. Like, let's just go do DMT. Right. And it was so helpful, and it really illuminated, again, my need to control and my mm-hmm. fear of, of what's going to happen and am I going to lose my mind and so on and so forth
1: during the experience. How long did that last? How did you, how did you navigate?
0: Um, well,
1: or not navigate.
0: (laughs) Well, with TMT, you don't really have a choice. Yeah. Um,
1: I think there could, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. Go resisted enough. Yeah. The resistance is what makes it, but yeah, if you, I guess if you do the right dose, maybe there is no choice.
0: I think I was so, uh, there was a part of me that was so desperate for answers and so desperate to get out of my own head. I was in a, a place in my life where I was, um, to make a major decision about something. I was working on getting off antidepressants after being on them for almost 20 years. And I just needed something completely different. Hmm. And DMT came into my, I didn't go searching out, it kind of like came into my awareness. And a lot of people will say that about certain plants, like they find you <laughs> when you're ready. Uh, and I was scared to death, and we were in a group, and the shaman was like, you're going first, because he didn't want me to see anyone else's experience and get totally freaked out. Mm. And uh, for me, it was just a a shot straight into love and into, um, like, a reconnection with uh, – we were talking about this, too, it's so hard to put in words – but it was a feeling of love and belonging and connection that I had been searching for for my entire life, like probably since I was a little girl and kind of lost it. Yeah. The hardest part for me about DMT was, because I, I was, it's a short trip, um, but it was a little longer for me, I was coming back. And I, I was, when I w- came back into my human body and like realized like the human life I had to go back and deal with, <laughs> I just like started sobbing and sobbing. And I think just years and decades of grief came out of me. So it was incredibly healing for me. Um, And especially with being on antidepressants and kind of the pineal gland being off,
1: Hmm.
0: it it definitely, I think, helped me with resetting all of that. Now, was that the only thing I did to get off antidepressants? Because I get a lot of questions when I talk about getting off antidepressants because a lot of people want to. It was not the only thing I did. I did so much and was so supported. I, I mean, I didn't drink for two years. I shifted my diet. I had a coach that was working with me. I was, you know, learning about spiritual psychology. I had a meditation practice. I, like, weaned off. I was very um, intentional. Because yeah. I tried all through my 20s to get off, and i off and on, off and on, off and on. And finally, I just, like, was all in. Yeah. Because I... You know and i do i, I don't also I also want to say I, i'm not an anti antidepressant person um, I'm more like listen to your own intuition, and mine told me you're not going to get where you want to go if you're still on these
1: yeah i've my experience using um Whatever. I, I don't like the word, term plant medicine because I think it's too fluffy. I've, oh. I've heard it fluffed up too much. Okay. But plant medicine, whatever. But what, I, what,
0: what do you I don't know what to,
1: I don't know what to call it. I think psychoactive substance is what okay, I end up, what I end up psychoactive. calling them. That's great. I love psychoactive that. Psychoactive feels something. Yeah. It's like activating yeah, your yeah, psychology. Yeah, I like that. Psychoactive. You know, whatever. Um, I don't know what I was going to say about it exactly. But do you, uh, oh, I had a thought. It was. I was so excited about the thing I was going to say about Maybe the psychoactive she did some
0: psychoactive stuff. substance that thought would come
1: Well, back. they are supposed to be quite <laughs> st- quite stimulating those psychoactive substances. <laughs> the thing that you that was that was interesting. This is actually this is the thing.
0: Oh, okay, good. Yeah, this, there
1: we <laughs> okay. like, ah. But you mentioned as you are coming back, it felt as mm-hmm. though uh, like coming back to this world. Then all of a sudden, you're filled with all this emotion, and it's like mm-hmm. all coming out yeah. of you. Mm-hmm. I've had a really interesting experience with the, the psychoactive stuff and I don't, I don't use psychoactive substances that yeah, much yeah. at all. Yeah. Um, I have just tremendous amounts of respect for the power that it's got. Yeah. It's like, it's like, it's, you know, it's a lot. And, but with that power, what I've found is it's almost like this knowing of what you need. Mm
0: hmm. Apps. <laughs> Abs- One thousand percent, you know, it does get in and, and i haven't done that much either but i've i've done um another medicine that i did just about a year and a half ago oh my gosh it gave me exactly what i needed and everybody else was having this major like heart opening experience on the on the medicine and the, the shaman said to me the next day cuz it was like a 24 hour kind of thing hmm. said she's she said i don't i thought i gave you some one thing but i think you got some like whatever you got was not what everybody else got, but it was exactly what I needed. Mm. And in that particular one, cause I, I'd never did drugs as a kid. I was the good girl. I never really drank. I had never even smoked pot. And so doing any of these kind of psychoactive substances <laughs> was a huge stretch for me, like yeah. major, major stretch. Um, and so it really was a big lesson in surrender. and, Surrender is a hard thing. How do you surrender? You know, I mean, it's like, oh, it's, it's difficult. So I went into, um, with this particular medicine, I could feel it coming in and I could feel the fear and I could feel the part of me that wanted to control. Yeah. And I went into gratitude. I'm like, thank you, medicine. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for what you're going to show me. Thank you. Thank you. Because I can do that. I know how to feel gratitude. And the gratitude was my doorway to surrender and that 's such um, that 's been such a great reference point because these these journeys give us reference points, mm. and it's been such a great reference point for me of if I know I need to let go of something and I know I need to surrender but i 'm just i can 't freaking do it, I go into gratitude, gratitude for the experience, gratitude for the uncomfortable sensation, just like gratitude for like knowing that I'm going to be guided through it. And I just go into that. And that so helps me loosen my grip and my control and my fear about things.
1: Mm. I wonder how, cause that is that, that inner grip, that inner like clenching that most yeah. of us, myself included, you know, I, I still am aware of, of some, some clenchings, yeah. you know, and, and, uh, I wonder just practices to start kind of shaving away at that, you know, or start maybe not shaving away because that sounds superficial from the outside in, but to start to go from the inside out, mm-hmm. you know, and start speaking to that, mm-hmm. you know, with or without psychedelics. I don't yep. know. Maybe psychedelics are the way. I don't know.
0: Uh, they're one way, they're one route, but they're not the only route. Breath yeah. work is incredibly powerful. Right. Um, body work. I mean, the body is such a messenger. It's amazing how brainwashed we are to think that, like, we just get random ailments and have they have no like mind body <laughs> connection. Yeah. And we What's just run to a doctor. It's a total disassociation. It's
1: not my it's not, it's not my, my fault. Mind. This is an outside yes. in. It happened to me. Yeah,
0: and then and then it, it, it wires in our brain that our body's against us. Yeah. It's like no 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 the body's the ally. It's trying to get our attention about something and if we can listen to the body and um and not make it the enemy and, and work with it then I think that's one way that uh, that we really that we really grow and that we really pay attention. Uh, yeah. and then and also like looking at what we're manifesting in our life. And another thing that they always said at my grad school was outer experience is a reflection of inner reality. Yeah. So if you don't like what you're seeing in your outer experience, then sort of look at look at how that's a mirror. People that trigger us, great reflections of what's happening totally. inside.
1: It's a lot of responsibility though. A,
0: it is a lot of responsibility. Yeah. It is. Yeah. But it's a lot of freedom too when you realize that you are at cause of a lot. But it's a, it's a balance because you don't want to go into blaming. You want to have compassion. You don't want to go into blaming yourself or being hard on yourself and being like, I have cancer. I manifested it. It's my fault. Yeah. Because that thought is what feeds cancer cells more. Yeah. So it's that balance of taking responsibility, looking for the learning, knowing that as humans we never are going to understand everything about the world, our life, the what, why things happen. I think that we, we can know a lot, but we're not here to be able to know everything. There's still mystery in the human experience, and I think that's a good thing.
1: Yeah. You were speaking to a, a, a girl called Tiffany about um, she had some type of growth. I think it was a thyroid something happening anyways oh. shit this physical
0: expression. oh she had a fibroid yes
1: fibroid yes, oh, yes, okay yes. yeah so she
0: sounds like thyroid th- not <laughs> thyroid
1: yeah I was thinking I was thinking like a tumor on a thyroid I was like oh god um you know but one of the things that she came to and you kind of shine the flashlight on for her and then mm-hmm. it popped up right. you know which is which again I was just like really uh enjoying listening to um, it was that, 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 that physical manifestation is, this is a similar thing to what you're saying, but it's like a teacher that she needed, Yep. you know? And so, yep. so by the end of the, the session, it was like, oh, okay, maybe I could find a teacher in another form.
0: Yep, exactly. And it's, and I remember the episode you're talking about, um, people can go back and listen to it. I'm not sure the episode number, but it. What she realized was that when she had physical problems like this fibroid, it made it okay to ask people for help Mm -hmm. and it made it okay to need people. She wasn't so good at asking for help and needing people. Um, And so in a lot of ways, like this fibroid was getting her love. It was getting her nurturing. It was getting her attention. It was getting her people in her life to support her. And I'm so glad that she realized that because then on some level, she'd unconsciously keep manifesting physical problems so that, because we all need people and we all need to feel connected and we all need to feel nurtured and taken care of. And now that she has this awareness, she doesn't need to manifest physical problems to have people in her life.
1: Mm so uh, is it hyperchondriac hypochondriac hyper hypo is it hypo I don't know you think hyper because like it's like a lot of like, yeah, a lot of stuff yeah, a lot
0: of amp. yeah.
1: <laughs> but whatever whatever form of chondriac that is um, I've seen that in a on a in, with a family member and um, I've always wondered of like what the best approach I usually have a tendency of kind of like <laughs> Not wanting to feed into it, mm-hmm. which then sometimes can feel a little cold. Yeah. You know, so I wonder uh, in a person that you see, it's like, I think you're creating this. Yeah. You know, it's like, okay, like, I love you.
0: Yeah. I love you, and you know? this must be really hard for you. Right. Yeah. I, I, this is a tricky one for me because when people. Call into the show or come to a retreat there 's an agreement that they want my feedback family members friends there's not that agreement, and so when I see people, especially people that I love, and I can kind of see what's going on, um, like if it 's a hypochondriac or hyper <laughs> hyper hypochondriac situation or whatever, and you know have to remind myself it's not my job to save them. That everybody deserves the dignity of their process. That I'm not God, and maybe I don't know better, you know, and um, just love them the best way that I can, but not reward um, victim behavior. Mm. That's something I've been mindful of in my life, especially people close to me. Is not to enable victim behavior. Hmm. And that's a, that can feel cold sometimes, especially if you're a people pleaser and you're a rescuer and you're a caretaker is that you want to help and be there. But if you're only supporting people in their weakness, then you have to consider you're enabling them a bit.
1: Hmm. You said some terms and we'll wrap up pretty, pretty soon. Hopefully there's some dancing.
0: I know we got (laughs) to find some dancing and then some
1: dancing. Um, so I think it's it's interesting. The you said enabler, or people pleaser, or a certain like you know titles we could put on, on certain types yeah. of you know masks that we've worn to protect ourselves or get through the world or whatever since a young age. I guess it's actually kind of maybe a similar thing of like, do you evolve out of that? But is that something that we leverage? You leverage know, it's how? A, leverage. Like, okay, I'm. I am maybe a. What would I be? I don't know. You could probably gather what uh, some type of title for me. But mm-hmm. say I'm a. Oh, shoot. Now, I'm, now I feel like I need to have some type of.
0: There's. There's. They're called compensatory strategies. Yeah. In the Book. You can identify which one. Yeah,
1: I'll try yeah. and I'll try and look. What are the compensatory yeah. strategies? I get. So that, there's there's, there's
0: the uh, the overachiever, high achiever, um, people pleaser caretaker rescuer the kind of performer um chameleon and, and you can have like more than more than one caretaker of them. performer mm-hmm.
1: yeah i think so <laughs> yeah. yeah but so do you do you end up leveraging those in your favor
0: well you, well yeah that's why they're compensatory strategies because they they arise during again whenever those core wounds and those That big knot forms. If something's wrong with me, I'm not enough. I'm not worthy. I'm unlikable. So that really threatens our sense of survival. So the ego has to come up with the ego personality has to come up with a way to compensate for where we feel so less than. So it's like, oh, but if people like me and I'm a people pleaser, then that will make me worthy. Or if I take care of other people, that's how I'll get their love. Or if I just am a performer, then I can deflect conflict and nothing bad's happened. Or if I'm an overachiever, I may not be liked by people, but at least I'll be successful. Right. Like, so we leverage them in that they create results. They create relationships, they create validation, they create a lot of stuff that's, I'm using air quotes, good. However, they're depleting in a lot of ways. Um, They can lead to resentment and they keep us, they take up a lot of energetic real estate. So we're less likely to really step into our gifts and Mm. really let like our light shine and really live into our full potential because we're constantly um, navigating for survival and acceptance and validation and proving something versus really listening to the whisper of our soul and our intuition. Mm. Oh, that was really nice.
1: Yeah. Oh. Well, I think we uh, we gotta wrap up.
0: Oh, we are. What That's the end of it. Fast. Yeah,
1: by that was really nice. I mean, like the whole the whole end and the last part. Oh, but well, but the, right. the 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 whole experience. Um, how do people learn more and all that stuff? Oh,
0: thank you. Um, well, we talked about the podcast. So yeah. over it and on with it. Every Wednesday, a live life coaching session is aired. No scripts. No, I don't know anything about the people. We just get on and. I ask them what their question is, and it's amazing. I've only had, in 116 episodes, only four people use a different name. Four four or five, six people use, like, a different name. People are super raw and vulnerable. And Mm. then I break down the call afterwards and explain why I did what I did. And I always have to re-listen to it because I'm so in flow, like, in flow state when I'm doing it. I have to, like, go back and re-listen to it to kind of break down what I did. Um, And then Christine Hassler, I'm on Instagram a lot, Facebook, my um, coaching assessment, you can opt in at com. and then expectation hangover. My last book is out there. How,
1: how do you self coach when you, when you're listening to it? Maybe self coach isn't the best word. It's a fine word, I guess. Mm-hmm. But when you're listening to it, what's mm-hmm. your critique of yourself?
0: Oh, um.
1: And how's that evolved over the episodes?
0: You know, uh, what's really great is my inner critic doesn't really flare up. Um, I really listen to. what I'm listening for when I re-listen to it is teachable moments because like I said I'm so in the zone when I do it and I have a lot of coaches that listen and a lot of people just that want to learn and so I'm looking for those teachable moments of like why I said what I said or why I use this tool or how this is relatable to the listener so that's what I'm looking at I'm looking at how do I like take what just happened and break it down and make it make it teachable Mm. so that's the lens I'm looking through when I when I listen to it
1: are there any parts as you've listened over the how long you've done the podcast two years two years so over the years you've re-listened to most or all of them. Mm -hmm. yeah uh how do you feel like your evolution with speaking to people has changed Mm -hmm. in that two years from episode one to episode Mm now
0: um well I mean I'd hope after doing it two more years I'm getting better and better at it not From the sense of like um, creating better results for people necessarily, but just well, when I listen to it, I think that I just hear my own, um, my own evolution affecting the engagement with the caller, like in the two years that I've been doing the podcast, a lot has happened in my life. Yeah. (laughs) uh, I've had a lot of different teachers. I've had a lot of different experiences. I've had a lot kind of happen for me. And so in that, there's just more that I can pull from. So, like, my my kind of toolbox keeps expanding.
1: Mm. Cool. Yeah. Is there anything else you want to mention before pressing off record?
0: No. I think that's it. I, I would say, well, let me, yes. Um, <laughs> n- n- not Not about me, but... <laughs> You know, for people listening, I think that a lot of people listening can relate to being hard on themselves and being judgmental of themselves and really just not cutting themselves a lot of slack. And we are our own worst enemy. And you don't have to get to positive vibes only, <laughs> but, <laughs> but it is important to find a voice of compassion in your head. And when you Notice like that inner critic or you notice something negative, just gently say stop and you don't have to go to I'm the most amazing person on the planet but you can go to I'm doing the best I can or I forgive myself for being so mean to myself and one of my favorite tools and this is one that I give a lot because it's super easy is if you're having like an inner critic flare up or you're just being mean to yourself or whatever, have a picture of yourself when you're little like anywhere from two to five years old. Mm. Have it on your phone, save it somewhere, and just look at a picture of yourself when you're little, look into your own eyes, and you will feel the feeling of compassion. And you'll be like, that's what I'm being mean to, that little guy or that little girl, like that's what I'm being mean to right now. And oftentimes it'll bring up emotion, and that's good, right? Because a lot of times, what has the inner critic firing up so so much is we have just so much repressed emotion. And we're just out of touch with compassion because we're just emotionally shut down. So just looking at that little picture and connecting to that is a great way to like bring that voice of compassion and nurturing back.
1: Mm-hmm. It's like you have a still image pre-knots. Yes. There's probably some already knots at the start of it. You can exactly. kind of like, there's the, yeah. the knots that now I've been riding for yeah. the last 30 years.
0: Yeah. There's something about seeing ourselves when we're little and looking into that smile and that eyes and the innocence that's there and just the... Yeah, that like, that trust and that faith that, that that was there when we were little it's still there It's still in there
1: that's cool (laughs) all right thank you so much Christine Hessler thank you so much (laughs)
0: thank you for coming into my home my awesome body work yeah
1: we are looking out into the ocean right now yes by the way actually it's dark it's
0: dark now but we were looking it's
1: at one point were. it's out there yeah so thanks for creating it Uh,
0: well God created the ocean right
1: well (laughs) (laughs) you know that's what I meant I know all right here we go over and out Align Podcast. Thank you guys so much for tuning into the podcast. If you want to support what we are doing and you are digging it, um, one thing you can do is you can jump onto to aligntherapy.com and grab yourself an Align band, which is a heavy duty resistance band and a door anchor, and it um, comes with an instructional video guide and break down decompression of those joints, self-care stuff, exercise stuff, it's great. Um, some free things that you guys can do, one of which would be, as we mentioned, utilizing the Amazon affiliate link, top hand, right-hand corner. Of of the podcast page and uh, just bookmark that thing. Anytime you purchase crap on Amazon, we get about six or 7% of that costs you nothing. And um, also you could jump on to audibletrial.com slash align and get yourself a free audible audio book and a free month subscription. Costs you absolutely nothing and kicks us down some, some scratch. Um, thank you guys so much. Really appreciate your support and uh, thanks for sharing. Thanks for tuning in. Wouldn't be possible without you and look forward to seeing you next week.